Well, friends, good morning. I'm so glad that you're here. We've said it before in this service, but I want you to know if you are a guest with us, we're just grateful that you're here. And if you're new here, new to town, or you've been a guest with this church for a few weeks, we're learning what that's like with you. So we're, you know, I'm the new preacher here, and so I'm excited to share in the new person experience with all of you. And we've met some of you over the past couple of weeks. So if you're new, if you're a guest, we're just so glad that you're here. I also want you to know that I'm keenly aware that I'm preaching to a group of people who, most of whom right now, uh, are loaded with donuts and breakfast tacos. <laughs> I understand the higher than average carb amount. Uh, that was a great spread, and I'm, I'm thankful for traditions like that here, and really thankful for Julie Clark and others who put those kinds of things together. The holiday season is, is so full of joy, and many of us right now are full of that joy. We've got family here. We have plans to be with others. But I, I want you to know that, that we know that for some of you it's hard. You know, you're experiencing difficult times. The holidays bring back difficult memories. Maybe for some of you it's your first holiday season without someone who was always there. So before we do the sermon, I just want to pray for those of you for whom this is a hard season and ask God to bless you. Would you pray with me? God, we look forward with joy to holiday seasons, and we're grateful for the traditions that give us normalcy and that bring us joy, and for people who are in our lives that we get to spend time with. But God, I know you are close to the brokenhearted, and so for anyone today who is experiencing a difficult holiday season because of losses they've experienced or other forms of grief, I pray that you would be near them in a special way as they look around and see a lot of happy people and wish they could feel that way. We know, Father, that you are near them in their, their grief and their sadness. And so in these seasons of mixed emotions, uh, we trust that you are near us in whatever ways we are feeling. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the past couple of years, I have come up with um, a list of words that I would be okay if we just banned. Okay? The first word is unprecedented. Now, I would just be okay if that went away for a while. It, it was fine at first, like March 2020, when you had you know, different uh, government civic health leaders using the phrase. That, that made sense. Unprecedented times we were in. But then, I don't know, like the marketing email started coming. And I, when I got something from, you know, the soap company saying they were with me during these unprecedented times and just a link to their products. I'm sorry if any of you own soap companies. I tried to come up with something generic. That I was just like, okay, we're overusing that phrase. I'm done with it. I, I'd be fine if we banned it or at least maybe a moratorium. Could we just, you know, call it off for a few years? Uh, because for a while, I just, I started thinking, I'll take some precedented times. Give me the old problems that I was used to. Because everything, just all these new things and new, new sources of conflict and new sources of threats. I remember sitting in front of my computer watching in real time as oil prices went negative. You remember that? I didn't even know that could happen. I'm not a genius in that area, but I had lots of friends in that business. And I thought, what does this even mean? Give me some precedented problems that we've dealt with. The other phrase I would be fine if we got rid of is expect 
the unexpected. Now, first of all, just grammatically, logically, that doesn't work, right? Because once you expect something, it's no longer unexpected. But I, I understand what that phrase means. But again, I got tired of unexpected things. Like I wanted some control. I wanted some predictability. I wanted things I was used to. I didn't want all this unexpected stuff. Because it felt to me like everything unexpected was bad. There wasn't a lot of good unexpected things in the past few years. You know, there wasn't a lot of what C.S. Lewis calls being surprised by joy. That wasn't the surprise as I was feeling. Everything unexpected was bad. When I hear the word unexpected, I don't think exciting times. When I hear unexpected, I think of going to the doctor's office for what you think is a routine visit. You're just having a chit-chat and everything's fine and you start to describe a few things and it ends with, well, that's really concerning to me. I think we should run some tests on that. That's what I think of when I think of unexpected. Or I think of a 3 a.m. call from someone I love. There's no good reason that a call is going to come in at 3 a.m. So my anxiety jumps immediately. And I think of a call in which I learn some news that's going to change things for me or for people I love. That's what I think of when I think of unexpected. Or I think of the, a boss dropping by in the middle of the week and saying, hey, come see me in my office on Friday before you leave. And you learn in that conversation that things are going to change in some bad ways and that your life has been upended. Those are the things I think of when I think of the word unexpected. I don't want to expect the unexpected because unexpected things are bad. And I'm done with that. And so as we continue our journey toward the birth of Christ through the Advent season, I want to take us to a story in Scripture where we see some unexpected and some expected things mixed together. And we see how God was at work in all that. So we're going to be back in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read Matthew's version of the birth story. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Read this along with me. Here we go. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph, son of David... Excuse me. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. 
I want us to walk through this story together and, and just think of the elements that it contains. And let's think together about the expected and the unexpected things that show up as we move toward the birth of Jesus. So we start out with something expected. The expected thing is that uh, Mary is pledged to marry Joseph. That's expected. That's how society worked back then. It's still in some ways how things work today. Now Mary would have been probably younger than we are used to people being engaged, but that's how it worked. There may even have been some arranged elements to it. So again, some differences, but expected. People get engaged. That's expected. But then something unexpected happens. And the way the text says is that Mary was found to be pregnant. And it's that passive voice. She was found to be pregnant. Now we know, the phrase continues through the Holy Spirit, but Joseph for sure doesn't know that. Who would think that? So she was, through a number of means in which we understand uh, women discovered that they are pregnant, even if they weren't anticipating becoming pregnant. She was found to be pregnant. So that's unexpected, and that's bad if you're Joseph. Again, we get to know all the details, but Joseph, well, he just encountered a bad, unexpected thing. So what's next? Well, the expected thing that you do, according to the law and societal practice, was to separate that's what you would do. That's the expected course of action. That's what the law would prescribe that Joseph had a right to do. Now, Joseph isn't going to make a big deal out of this publicly. He's not going to shame Mary, but he decides to quietly divorce her. And that would be the expected thing to do. I'm not saying right or wrong. It just would have been the expected thing to do. But then we encounter another unexpected thing. Joseph... It's a visit from an angel. The angel has some news. But that would have been unexpected. Joseph's just going about his business. This is, my life has changed. I'm going to adapt. I'm going to move on. He gets a visit from an angel. And I don't know about you, but that would feel quite unexpected to me. And the angel has some news for Joseph about the nature of Mary's pregnancy. Because, see, the expected thing is that Mary's pregnancy would have been a violation of God's will. That's the expected thing. She's pregnant because some action has occurred outside of the will of God, outside of good, upstanding practice. That, that's the expected assumption here. But what Joseph finds out unexpectedly is that not only is her Pregnancy, not evidence of activity outside God's will. Her pregnancy is, in fact, God's will. This is exactly what's supposed to happen. And so as Joseph is expecting his, his uh, betrothal to end, as he's uh, expecting to find Mary has engaged in some activity that was a betrayal to him and to God, these unexpected things show up. And then the final expected thing happens, which is that Mary gives birth. This is the, the best way a pregnancy ends. This is what's supposed to happen. But the unexpected thing for Joseph, for Mary, for really for all of society is that this birth, this child that was born, is the savior of all humankind. That's unexpected. 
No one could have expected that. Now, we, we can go through Scripture and say, well, people were visited and, you know, go read Luke and people knew what was going to happen. I mean, yes, they did. But who could really know what this would be like? So Joseph and Mary go through all of these twists and turns, some expected, some unexpected. Everything's up in the air. But there's one constant through this story. And we get the constant when the angel tells Joseph the name of the child. Quoting the prophet Isaiah, the name will be Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which, so that means Emmanuel, with us God. God with us. But the birth of Jesus is a tangible marker that God is with his creation. And so all these expected and unexpected turns and everybody's lives getting turned upside down, there's conflict in a relationship, there's new pieces of information that's causing new decisions to be made and a lot of curveballs being thrown. Amidst all those unexpected things, the constant, the thing you can hang your hat on, that God is with us. Now, the birth of Jesus was a new expression of this, but it was not the first expression of God with us. The whole story of Scripture shows that God is with us. God was with his creation in the garden when he's down in the dirt forming a human and, and speaking things into existence and then forming, and he's down there walking. God was with Abraham when he called him and he said, I want you to do this unexpected thing. I want you to get up from this place that you know, this place of comfort, and I want you to go somewhere unexpected, but I'm going to be with you. God was with Hagar when she was mistreated and abandoned and needed somebody to see her and hear her and value her, and God was there with her. God was with his people when they unexpectedly found themselves enslaved in Egypt and needed a deliverer. And so God is with Moses as he brings his people out. And God is with his people in the wilderness as they wander around on what should have been a couple of week journey and took about 40 years. But God's presence is with them in the tabernacle as he dwells with his people even when he didn't have to. And God was with his people as they found themselves commanded to take a new land and wondered if they could do it. And God says, I am with you. Don't be afraid. And God was with his people when they found themselves uh, in captivity, even because of their sin. And so when the northern kingdom finds themselves in Assyria and the southern kingdom, Judah, when they find themselves in Babylon, even then, God doesn't abandon them. He thinks about it. And the prophet Hosea shows us a God in agony who wants to punish his people and separate from them, but he just can't bring himself to do it. So he's with his people even at their worst moment. 
And God is with his people as they rebuild their society and rebuild the temple and recommit to the law. But even as things have changed for them and, you know, the new temple that they see, it's just unexpectedly not what they were used to. didn't have the grandiosity of the old one. But God was still there with them. There's a lot of things that happen in Scripture and a lot of different trajectories, a lot of unexpected things. But I'm telling you, one of the few things that I think is a constant in Scripture and finds its ultimate expression in the birth of Jesus is that God is with us. That story continues past Scripture, doesn't it? It doesn't just end when we close the book of Revelation, God with us. God with us continues. So when you're in the doctor's office and you get news that's unexpected and you get thrown a curveball and all of a sudden there's a bunch of tests and a bunch of anxiety and a bunch of decisions that have to be made, you may not know what the future holds, but you can be confident God is with you, can't you? And when you get that 3 a.m. call that contains news you never expected and things change and the anxiety comes and the schedules get different, you didn't know what to expect exactly, but you knew God was with you. And when you get called into the boss's office late on a Friday afternoon and you get told some things that might seem unfair to you, Seems like you're not valued and you're not sure exactly what life is going to look like next for you. Maybe if you have a family for your family, you didn't know to expect that conversation and you don't know what to expect next, but you know this, God is with you. When you're, say, doing ministry in Oklahoma and you've lived there for 20 years and you've been at the same church for 14 years and a gentleman named Paul calls you on the phone and says, hey, our church is in a search for a senior minister. Well, I don't know what that would look like. What would that look like for, for me? What will that look like for my kids? Where are they going to go to school? What's our family? I don't know all the answers to all that. But I'm absolutely certain that God was with this church and was with my family. In very uncertain times. See, this is what I, I just want you to know this and believe this in your soul. I do not know all the ways of God. I don't know why things happen to us that are hard. I can't always tell you how and why God is working. I've given that up. But the thing that I know with absolute confidence and the thing I want you to feel in your heart with confidence that God is with you. And if you need a reminder of that, then think of the birth of Jesus, the ultimate manifestation that God is with us, who took on flesh and became a human. God is with us. It's a quote I want to read you by the theologian Stanley Hauerwas that was meaningful to me as I was thinking about all of this. This is what Stanley Hauerwas says. He says, God does not need to intervene in creation because God has never been absent from creation. What should startle us, what should stun us is not 
that Mary is a virgin, but that God refuses to abandon us. So friends, next year, who knows what will come our way. Next year might produce some unexpected things for some of us. Things will be up in the air. Life will change. And it may seem like there's nothing constant in your life. But the thing you can be sure of is that God is with us. So when the thing happens that is the last thing you ever expected, maybe then we'll learn to expect God.